Okay, Dan, happy Wednesday. Hey there, we are together. We are together. And I just quickly want to apologize for us being late. I had a little audio issue of some kind on my end. So we have it sorted and we can hear each other. And yes. welcome to the Saratoga podcast. Hello, everybody. Uh, Adam cannot join us today, but he will be back. We probably won't be on next week, but probably the following week. Yeah. Yes. He is on vacay and I am personally very jealous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so lots to talk about. It is Valentine's Day, which I wanted to mention, but maybe I'll mention that at the end instead of the beginning, because I feel like we have a couple issues that have come up very recently that we should touch on. Um, the first is really quick, but I, I, I just saw it and I, I wanted to talk about it because I think it's not great which um, is that there are two Saratoga Springs restaurants seized by the state. And Dan, you were saying that's because they didn't pay their sales tax, correct? I, I believe it's it's a tax issue. It was uh, certainly from the uh, state tax department. And I believe it's sales tax. I don't know that for a fact, but I, uh, there are there is some press on it. The Gazette, as well as the, uh, the blog, Notes on Napkins. And I'm mm. looking at that right now. Um, uh, Nashville at 39 Phyla uh, has warrants against it totaling 80,000. Holy, and, and six warrants for the district totaling 25,000. And you know, this is not the first time this has happened in Saratoga, and it's first, not the first time it's happened anywhere because the state tax department eventually they uh, simply come and close you. And I believe, Robin, that at least one of those restaurants, if not both, got closed just before Chowderfest. And I think the district was listed as a participant on Chowderfest. Whether they still were able to put it together, I, I, I don't know. I doubt it because they were shut down, um, uh, not allowed to legally uh, function. So I, I, I just don't know. And I was right there, uh, but I probably didn't get that. Yeah, I did get that far up the street. But, you know, such a massive crowd on Chowderfest Day. I, I have no idea if they were uh, serving or not. Well, th this is what obviously I find problematic about it. I'm already concerned, as you know, we've talked about this, about, you know, the vacancies we've had already, you know, Sperry's, which hopefully is still under contract, but Sperry's being closed for so long, the vacant lot. Gaffney's is, Gaffney's is basically, by the way, I, I did speak to Gaffney's because we had talked about it, I think, two podcasts ago about what was going on there. And basically, they're still under the same um, kind of punitive regulations that uh, were put in place um, by Commissioner Montnino working with the SLA, where they can't do live music, they can't have a DJ. Um, and I think it's really impacted their ability to be open. Um, they were open on Chowderfest, although apparently they weren't allowed to participate in Chowderfest. I, I don't know why, but they they had Chowder anyway. And there, there were people there. Um, I did pop in. It was like packed like bananas packed but then i just had the music was like the piped in like muzak that you have in like retail places you know what i mean like there were like sure. commercials in it and i was like you know but so i was very happy for them to have you know so much business but i was like god damn this the music was like killing me i was like god <laughs> it's it was such a bummer you're like really missing that you know live fun music but um but i i i didn't you know and this is just my opinion I don't know how they're gonna, how much longer they're gonna be able to hold on to that that property. This is just again my speculation, given the restrictions that continue to be in place. And so then hearing, you know, the district and Nashville um, have been are, are probably not operational at the moment, and especially Nashville, you know, such a big presence on Phyla Street. 
$80,000 is a lot of money. I mean, this all gives me great concern. Gives me great concern. I uh, yeah, Going back to Gaffney's, God, I hope they got it together by uh, June when the Belmont is here and there's going to be oodles of money to be made by any establishment that can function. Uh, well, so they really got to get together. I, don't, I know. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they are. I, I don't know how they get a, get around or resolve those regulate those regulations that were put in place. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's, I don't know how they deal with it. Obviously it's probably some kind of legal thing or some, something with the SLA, but I don't know how they, how they resolve that. But um, it's been a really long time. There were two issues or at least joined, right? Cause the city had involvement with that and they had their own issues with Gaffney's I believe. Right. And, uh, and then the SLA, which can be really difficult to deal with. Uh, I don't know if this is, if this is a lack of getting it done at the Gaffney's end, SLA gave them requirements, you meet them, you can open back up full, full fledged. Or if the SLA just has this hard, strict uh, uh, quasi suspension, if you will, um, that doesn't allow them to do things. And there's a time period that has to be served. I, I don't know. I know. We're going to have to uh, maybe look into that for a future episode. Cause I find it interesting, such a prominent location for a prominent business and yet so limited for this long of a time. I know. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I wonder if, you know, I don't know if I were in on the city council, you know, it would certainly be a conversation I'd be having with Gaffney's if perhaps the city could write a letter saying that they're in good standing now. And, you know, they hope that this is, I don't know, something, you know, to the effect of we'd like to see them open. They're in good standing and, and some kind of positive recommendation maybe would help, but who, who knows? I just think it's a, I think it's really, I think it's all really, I think it's all really concerning, you know, spring, summer is going to be here before we know it. And people come here for the restaurants and the bars, and it's never a good look to have a single vacancy or a single closed business. And so to have, you know, it seems like not a lot, but there's not, you know, as many restaurants in bars downtown or restaurants really as people I think think. And these are some, these are some big properties. So I don't know. Um, putting good vibes out there for them. Yeah, we'll follow up on this and maybe we can have a guest on to speak directly to that issue, whether it's one of the owners or somebody from the city or something. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to have some insight into that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so another uh, issue that's popped up very recently, um, actually it hasn't been, or didn't pop up recently, but uh, legislation is now being proposed for short-term rentals. And um, the proposed legislation, I think, was just released maybe yesterday, um, was the first time I saw it. Um, and it, it's created a bit of a controversy. I know the Daily Gazette, you mentioned, wrote about it. Um, the first thing that caught my attention was that there's going to be a $1,000 fee um, if to get registered with the city to be a short-term rental. And... A two year I, that that covers two years, yeah. I actually think I thought that actually I thought that when I looked at it, it only covered one year. It was the fire inspections and whatnot that were for covered two years. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a I thought it was a two year, a thousand dollar fee, maybe. But I I you know, and I did read that, but I I, I don't have it in front of me at the moment. Yeah, so we're not okay. Know. So we're not quite sure on that exact point, but um, I, I just was I was pretty I was pretty surprised. I mean, that is a that is a a lot of money. That's a big, that's a big fee. And I just thought that, you know, there's so many people who do the two weeks or less uh, short-term rental because, you know, you don't have to pay um, tax on that. 
And if you have to pay a thousand dollars to the city just to be able to do that, that's a big chunk of what you're potentially making. And then also, you know, you're going to have to pay. The other thing is that, which is good for safety, but uh, you have to have a fire inspection. So you need to have, you know, smoke alarms, carbon monoxide detectors. Um, I know Commissioner Moran mentioned you need to have an emergency kind of escape plan. So somewhere posted so that people are aware of where the egress is and where the exits are. Um, but that does require scheduling an inspection with the fire department and paying for that inspection. And so that's another, you know, that's going to be another cost. And um, I, I know that what I've heard already has not been, you know, very positive about this. There were some other kind of more nuanced restrictions. Um, and tell me if I'm correct in this. I hope I am. Um, for instance, if you have a primary residence out of state and you have a second home here, you, you cannot rent the second home here. Owner occupied, I believe, is yeah. the term we use. Yes, yeah, it has to Which, be owner occupied. That feels like a litigation magnet to me. That, no. that as well as a couple of the other, couple of the other items. Um, yeah, and, and going back to the thousand dollars, that that was a shocking number to me. Whether it's oh. one year or two, uh, the Gazette editorial uh, almost had uh, uh, it was almost derisive in tone, um, talking about the fee and saying how you know, businesses are chased out of New York and people are chased out of New York because of taxes and regulation. And up in Saratoga, look at what's going on there. It was a, a, a contemptuous uh, kind of uh, uh, editorial, and I was a bit surprised at how harsh they were, but then they went overboard. They actually said, and I'm paraphrasing here, so I, I think I'll be at least 90% on it, is that we haven't heard about people burning to death up in Saratoga. I'm like, so we wait till somebody burns yeah, it up. That, that, so that one was a miss on their part. It was that a, is a, that's actually disgusting. That's a real that's a real miss on their part. Like yeah. no, that, that mean, now, that's my encapsulation of what they said right. in one line of it. And I think I'm mostly accurate. And I, I I winced when I saw. It. I was like, yeah, oh, that's that. gross. Because yeah. for me, the two driving the for me personally, the two most important reasons to actually introduce some kind of regulation with short term rentals are safety issues like you, we just talked about because, you know, you can have someone Airbnb, your house that has three bedrooms and it turns out they show up with 12 guys, you know, who are here for like Dave Matthews and, and God forbid there's a fire or something happens, you know, there could be a real catastrophic loss of life. And so yeah. I've always thought that, you know, that is something that needs to be addressed. The other thing I've always felt needs to be addressed is that there are some neighborhoods that are, you know, zoned residential neighborhoods where you have a house or two that has been turned into a year round Airbnb, where you just have people constantly cycling through. And I, I don't think that's fair to the neighborhood. And it's not true to the zoning laws and restrictions that we have in place. And, um, and so I think that needs to be addressed. But um, I know the kind of driving force behind this for the last couple of years has been from the, you know, Chamber of Commerce, Discover Saratoga and the hotel industry because they've always felt that it's not fair that they're paying occupancy tax and people that are Airbnb are not paying occupancy tax. And I understand what they're saying, I guess, to an extent, but I don't feel that this is the answer. Um, yeah, because, I, I see your point. And, and I do understand their point, the hotel, the hoteliers and so forth. And it's a legitimate point, right? They have so many restrictions, handicap access, uh, uh, the, the inspections, the fire alarms, everything, and and Airbnb uh, uh, owners to a large degree get a free ride. Um, I I understand that, 
but you're right. This this just feels like uh, a crowd pleasing overreach. You know, the people that are on streets with a lot of Airbnbs and don't want it, they'll be happy with this. The hoteliers will be happy with this. Now, but keep in mind, this is just about, a proposal. It's just a proposal. Say, but will they be happy because they're still not? You're still not paying an occupancy tax, as far as I'm aware. Uh, perhaps, but it's something, right? And it's pretty significant right. what is going on here. What is proposed, and it's only a proposal. There is a public hearing on the twentieth next week. Yeah, Tuesday, right. Yeah, I have a problem with that there? because that's that's a week that kids are off school, so it some people are going to be out of town. But so I will say there is a, a yeah next Tuesday at six p.m. Commissioner Moran's having a hearing or meeting. I forget which one. Hearing meeting, whatever. It's a public um, hearing. It's a public hearing. So he's going to present for about 15 minutes and then he's allowing for about 45 minutes for people to come and express their opinions about this. So um, if you have an opinion, positive or negative, I would encourage people to go next Tuesday if they're in town. Um, and, you know, maybe this is something he's been pretty, uh, it, it sounds at least like he's open to letting this hearing, you know, not voting maybe next week and allowing for some time for this to be tweaked and get some public opinion and feedback and, and hopefully tweak it a bit. Um, okay, we've got Moving Saratoga Forward commenting like dramatically here. Oh. Hold on, let me just put this up. Who broke the story? We did. Okay, you go that, Moving that Saratoga Forward. That is true. Uh, broke the story. Um, he also says the legislation doesn't, or I don't know who who's actually writing this, but Moving Saratoga Forward is saying the legislation doesn't impact the collection of occupancy tax. So that doesn't actually address the main kind of gripe that the hotels have had. Uh, the state has to change the law for that to happen. Okay. And, oh, it's protectionism for the hotel industry. Okay. So I think the point that he's making is that um, this will incur, this will make it probably less people will Airbnb if they have to pay this thousand dollar fee to register with the city, thus pushing more people into hotels because the inventory for Airbnbs will be smaller. Right. Yeah, 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 conceivably, certainly. Yeah. Also, a money grab by the city, by the way. Um, Huge money grab. Yeah. Huge. And then the last thing I also thought that I had read was that if you, and I know people, there are a lot of people that do this, if you rent from September to June for Skidmore students or any family that's here for the school year, and then you want to rent again in the summer, you wouldn't be allowed to do that, to rent again in the summer. Ah, okay. Yeah, we... Um... It reminds me, Robin, you mentioned another tone-deaf thing about the, the, the Gazette editorial was Saratoga have been running the track goers for, for decades. Why, why all of a sudden? Because the, the, the issue is expanding. The issue is uh, uh, yeah. we have well over 1,000 uh, units in town with Airbnb, and maybe it's been that way for a while, but it's going up, especially with the Belmont, right? Holy cow, the money you could make in your place with the Belmont. There's actually really no way to know how many short-term rentals are available because there, there's, I mean, you can like look, you could do like a search on Airbnb, you could kind of like guesstimate, but a lot of times people do list things multiple times. Um, there's corporations listing things, there's people listing things across lots of platforms, there's people who are just going through local brokerages, so there's no way to actually quantify that number. Um, which is the other thing that I think is the challenge that I've I've always seen here is that how do you get people to register their short-term rental? Like, how do you enforce this? Yeah. And the only mechanism I'm aware of for enforcement is that you hire an outside company who essentially sends people out and like 
I have no other way to say it, like basically spies in neighborhoods and tries to observe who's renting. And I, I find that, I mean, maybe, maybe there's a different approach that I'm unaware of, but that was truly the only way that I found when I was looking into this on the city council that you could regulate and make sure people are registering their short-term rental. And I just find that approach, you know, contrary to kind of the spirit of this community, um, you know, to hire a company, to have people going out there and trying to eyeball um, who's renting. So I don't know how that's going to work um, in terms of enforcement, but I think there are a lot of problems here. And I think it starts with the thousand dollar fee. I mean, I think that's, and, like, and there's fines on top of that up to 3000 which is that perhaps appropriately took issue with. But how, how do you enforce it if, if you don't have a, 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 a punitive measure of, of money? And I know what you said, Robin, that you actually figure this out. But let me step back for a second and just say, I do credit the city for addressing this issue or trying to, because I think it is a significant issue, uh, the, the, the fire concerns, the safety concerns streets uh, uh, without any knowledge or control of who's doing it. And I got to tell you, and you may have had this experience, I, I, I have the, uh, I'm fortunate enough to live on a nice cul-de-sac, right? And when there are people on my cul-de-sac renting for Airbnb and you realize it, you're like, oh, okay, those are Airbnb people. We don't look our nose down at them or anything like that, but I don't know these people. I've got daughters. Uh, yep. Is the 17-year-old kid, is he going to drive up my cul-de-sac like a maniac? Honey, get back from the sidewalk. Get back. Yep. So it, it 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 changes the tone of a neighborhood. I've only got some during track season. Imagine the streets where half the street has become Airbnb year round. I, I I can feel for these people. So good for the city for addressing it. But damn it, don't do the Van Dam effect. Uh, this is a, a term I just <laughs> a coined. A, coin, a term I just coined uh, by by just uh, uh, cavalierly uh, uh, taking action that you're only going to have to undo because you're getting sued or having state agencies say you can't do that. So credit for getting it started. Now it's only proposed, so we're not there yeah. yet. Uh, but this is, feels like an overreach at, at, and, and with some holes in it at this stage. I do think we should, by the way, give specific credit to Commissioner Moran because this really has been his project. And he has had, I know, four public hearings um, that were just like community meetings to hear people's input and opinions. And so he has taken some significant time and effort to go out and solicit opinions. And then he did put together this, this piece of legislation. And so he has been the driving force behind it. So I, I do think credit should be given to him for pushing this forward and, and addressing it, even if I may disagree with how it's being addressed. Um, I also, I, as you know, live on Lower Caroline Street. Uh, and the house right behind us, um, it's huge. And I think it's like a 10 bedroom house. It's enormous. And um, they Airbnb, uh, you know, pretty much all year, but heavily, obviously, from like May to September. And the owner of the house is wonderful and he's a great neighbor to us. But, you know, we've had, I can't even tell you how many times there have been, you know, 20 kids um, put, setting fireworks off at four in the morning, literally outside my bedroom window. Or I mean, it, it can get it can get really crazy, and it, it does change you know the feel of the neighborhood a bit. Um, luckily, my in my situation, our neighbor is super. He's just great. He's very communicative, and and he's always addressed any issues, and he works really hard to keep things in check there. But yeah, no, the it's it can really change your experience um, in terms of where you live. So so I do think it needs to be addressed, but I just think this is 
a little crazy. I mean, there were some comparisons to other areas that have uh, registration fees for for short-term rentals, and none of them even approach a thousand dollars. I mean, it was like a hundred, one hundred fifty, two hundred, maybe. But this um, this just seems crazy. I, I think it's also the same fee that like you have to pay to do outdoor dining. I want to say is also like a thousand dollars. And I was thinking about it. I'm just like, you know, for restaurants who have the outdoor dining, they're able to make so much more money for months and months and months and months by expanding, you know, into the sidewalks and the areas around the restaurants. So a thousand dollar fee, you know, you, you can make kind of make sense. But here, um, I just think it's it's very prohibitive, very prohibitive. It, it seems I would also I said there should be maybe another another public hearing. And maybe that second public hearing should be by Zoom because you still have people down in Florida that own property here. So, so give the people that own property here, pay taxes, but are currently out of state and will be out of state until May um, a chance to talk. So maybe there should be a second uh, uh, yeah. virtual hearing as well. I also did reach out to Commissioner Moran and he he is going to come on the podcast um, to talk about this when he's available. So that's great. And I really appreciate that. And I appreciate his willingness to have, you know, the conversation, even though we may be critical. Um, I, I appreciate his willingness to have the discussion and come on and hopefully explain it a little bit more. The other thing that he is actually doing that I wanted to mention real quick is um, he is uh, addressing the assessments, property assessments. And he's not doing like a full reassessment, but essentially um, he has a company that uh, is going to be basically comparing what's on the tax rolls to what is happening in real life. So looking at properties to see if perhaps they've done, they've put an addition on and not proper and not gotten the permits from the city to do so. And so the city's unaware. And so, you know, the size of their house has increased, um, but the property tax that they're paying has not increased because the city was unaware of what they've done to the property. Um, <clears throat> and so, or, you know, um, uh, just, basically looking at any discrepancies between what are on the tax rolls and what is in happening in actuality to, um, sorry, someone, I got to turn my do not disturb on, I'm getting texts, um, such that uh, the assessment rolls and the tax rolls can be brought up to um, reflect what's actually happening in the community. And I do think that's important because the the tax the property tax rolls have not gone up um you know in in the way that one would expect and i do think there probably is a fair amount of discrepancy between um what's on the books and what's happening in real life so i think that's probably a positive thing the way i'm understanding it i just what are your thoughts dan um yeah i and i've heard commissioner moran talk about that as well i almost had a I think he was talking about even drone checks of these additions and so forth. Which, that sounded a little aggressive, but yeah, well, but you but know, I know it is. It's a little off-putting. At the same time, is uh, uh, doesn't feel unfair. How else are you going to find out if, if the guy put an addition out the backyard and so forth and things like that? But I guess my my question is, um, and and there's probably a good answer for it. A real, a real quick aside, I, I criticize Dylan Moran semi-often. But he is a doer. Let me let me give credit where credit is due. He is a doer. He's action oriented, and I give him uh, tremendous credit for that. On the outdoor dining, he grabs bulls by the horns, runs with them. Sometimes I think perhaps in an improper way, but I still give you know, my I tip my hat for a doer. 
And these are all issues that he campaigned on and he is everything he campaigned on. He's checked off on that list. You know, he's, he's delivered on everything he promised in terms of, you know, his action. So I completely agree with you on that. And um, yeah, we, so moving Saratoga forward is, has lots to say here. So hold on, let's pull this up. The city hasn't reassessed since 2003, 2004. Yeah, that I know they have not officially reassessed since then. And the reason, folks, is because the person who's in charge of reassessing is the commissioner of accounts. And doing a full city reassessment is so wildly unpopular that people know they're not going to get elected. And it was Stephen Town, who was the commissioner of accounts back in 2003, 2004, who did this reassessment and then was not reelected. So it's it's a really unpopular move um, from a political standpoint, um, which is stupid because we are leaving, I think, a lot of money on the table by not having reassessed. And there are people who are paying, you know, who, people who have a house that probably is valued at like a million dollars now that are paying property tax off of what it was valued at way back when of like 300,000, you know? That's exactly true. He, he does make a good point there. And it, why not do it right? And I know it's monumental. I know it's yeah. unpopular. Yeah. I know it'll be expensive, extremely expensive. It's got to get done. It's yeah. got to get done because some houses in the city have increased fivefold in value. Oh, yeah. and some will only have maybe increased uh, threefold since then. Yeah. And I think the current, uh, uh, so we should we we should have a proper uh, uh, a proper allocation of who owes what for taxes. And you know what? I'm probably one that'll get hit hard on a reassessment, and I'm okay with that. It's 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 fair. Well, also, it really it affects the um, what people are paying for their school taxes. And the school tax district is the entire school district, which is Saratoga Springs, you know, Wilton. Um, it's it's not just the city of Saratoga Springs. And so people who live outside the city are kind of shouldering an unfair burden of that school tax because their assessments are up to date versus what the city is contributing. Sounds so, like a problem for them. <laughs> just kidding, Wilton. Just kidding. <laughs> mean. Wilton takes offense. Um, moving Saratoga forward also says, if you fly a drone over my property, I'm shooting it down. Um, I will not be flying a drone over your property anytime. I don't know who you are or where your property is, so that also helps. I also <laughs> am terrified of guns, so let's not do that. Although I'm seeing here maybe... commenters, feel free to join in. Uh, moving Saratoga forward is, uh, uh, has several comments here. Uh, we usually have some more. Dina, where are you today? <laughs> I also um, am thinking here, if there's drones going up to do this reassessment you know, situation, maybe they could be doing the short-term rental you know, regulation or enforcement at the same time. Seems like it could go hand in hand, right? A multifunctional drone. Aha, they put an addition on and they have Airbnb guests coming in the door. <laughs> exactly. That doesn't look like the family that was living there before. Um, yeah, totally. Um, so anyway, I wanted to move on quickly because I know we were we started a little late today and we, we do have some hard outs. Um, the other kind of controversy that has hit social media um is controversies in saratoga robin i think you misspeak and this one from for people who don't live here this just like looks so ridiculous there is a leaf bagging controversy that has hit social media folks and that controversy is that you know if you live in saratoga that the city of saratoga and the department of public works picks up your leaves your leaves um and all you have to do is push your leaves out into the street and they come around and pick them up. And that's a service that people in Saratoga Springs, I'm gonna tell you, value more than they value anything else in this entire city. And I will tell you why I know that. 
when we were in a financial free fall during COVID, I mean, desperate free fall, and we were looking at a budget that was going to lay off almost half the fire and police department. One of the things I suggested was suspending the leaf pickup service because it costs almost a million and a half dollars or something to that effect um, as a way to save money in that financial you know, crisis. And I proposed that people reacted like I was saying, we should all sacrifice our firstborn child. And it was very clear that they would rather have half of the police and fire department gone and still have their leaf pickup. So when I say this is people's like, they're obsessed with this. So now what happened is that the Department of Public Works went around and put notices on everyone's door that from moving forward, you're going to have to put your leaves and debris in bags, in a container, if you want them to be picked up by the city. Because what they were saying is that the leaves in the street are clogging drains and causing flooding and issues with the drainage. And so this would solve that problem. And I guess I'm not totally equipped to speak on this because I have really no yard and no trees and no like leaf, real leaf problem. But people are online freaking out saying there's no way they're gonna be able to do that. They're gonna have to buy 50 bags that, that this is basically an impossibility, impossibility. It is not possible for them to bag their leaves and they're having a meltdown over it. I, I've not seen those posts and- um... I, I respect people's rights to complain, but let's, before we get to that, can we acknowledge this is definitely a first world problem, right? No shit, exactly. I'm like, can oh Can you imagine God. telling somebody in the Ukraine your biggest no. complaint in life is you can't no. pile no. Uh, leaves loosely on the curb? We are a fortunate, blessed group, right? We There are some serious problems in this world and we face serious problems, all of us. But if that is your major problem in life or in this city, um, holy cow, you're blessed. So I don't want to belittle anybody, but um, uh, at the same time, let's put it in perspective. I am with you. And I have also had the privilege of living in some of the wealthiest communities in this country. And I've never lived anywhere where the municipality picked up your leaves. Anywhere. Me, me neither. So, um, it's a bit yeah. Of a, but it's a tradition. They created a tradition. Yeah, Good for Jason, uh, uh, um, Commissioner Gold, for probably knowing he was walking into a minefield. We talked about uh, uh, the, the reassessment being a minefield. Now reassessment would be five times the minefield this is, if not 50. Uh, I get that. But this is still, uh, he may have, he, Commissioner Golub, uh, it may have been a gutsy move on his part to do what he thought was right. And he had to know in certain circles it would be unpopular and it could lose him votes. Can you imagine if you're running against Jason Golub in, in a year and a half and you just pick that issue you, you might win the election. No more, no more leaf bagging. Yeah. Um, this just made me laugh. Mike, because uh, in those communities, your landscapers do it. Yes, you're totally right, Mike. Um, yes. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Point taken. Um, also, oh, Dina, Dina, Dina's talking too. Beekman Street rezoning of three houses has had multiple public hearings for three homes. This should have the same, at least, or not more. Agree. And then she said, if not more, yes, um, I agree. And I do think there's a willingness to, it sounds at least like there's a willingness to really put in, make an effort to hear from the community and, and take their feedback into, into account. Um, so, so yes, hopefully that, hopefully that will happen. Um, and we will know by next week after this first um, public meeting. So yeah, so the leaf bagging. And a lot of people are saying, you know, this is going to be impossible for seniors or people with disabilities and, 
not to sound totally insensitive, but my first thought was, well, how are those folks getting their leaves? I mean, if they're, if they can't put them in bags, I don't know how they're raking all the leaves and getting them to the street. You know, it seems like that's a, that would just be a, a problem from the from the get-go no you, you, you put them on a tarp or you can buy actually a tarp and just pull them you, you, you uh, spread out the tarp or, or or the piece of plastic and you put them on and then you, and you pull yeah, them. I know very little about this um <laughs> i also uh the my also my second thought was i've got four kids i'm like maybe the dalton children need to start a leaf bagging service like asap <laughs> could be some money we, to be made yeah, you see the comment here oh let's see jason we are updating the policy. Due to the volume of leaves during high leaf season, approximately mid-October to mid-November, leaves and debris can be placed on the carbon piles without bagging during high leaf season only. The exact dates will be provided by DPW in early fall of each year. The remainder of the year, leaves and debris will need to be bagged in accordance with the new policy. Commissioner Golub. Oh, this can continue. Let's see. Wait, hold on. Load more. Oh, hold on. It continues. I don't. Okay. I'll, which is something. I can't get to the rest of the comment. But well, I, I, well, it's over on the side, Rob, and I can read oh, it. Can you it's read right. it? Yeah. Um, so you read the first part. I'll see uh, the without bagging during high high leaf season only. The exact dates will be provided by DPW in early fall of each year. The remainder of the year, leaves and debris will need to be bagged in accordance with the new policy. These changes will allow DPW to provide debris pickup schedules. Commissioner Gold, you caved. Oh, people went boo, and you, nah, I'm teasing you, sort of. Um, uh, right after I commend you for having guts, uh, but you know what? Uh, good government adjusts and, and doesn't dig their heels in. Uh, but boy, people, you're right, Robin. People complain this blew up. And, yeah, um, you know what? Good for. Good for Commissioner Golub. I mean, that's just such a yeah. rational, normal response. Like, you know, he saw he saw people were unhappy. He made an adjustment. I think that's sounds like the totally appropriate adjustment to make. So problem solved. So that was a quickie. Controversy I, um, started, controversy over. Well done, Commissioner Golub. A plus. A plus. Because I really do think the um, what they were saying about the the leaves getting in all the drains and, and creating flooding issues, that is a legit, legit problem, especially in communities that have this kind of systemic flooding issue like Geyser Crest, which is a whole other subject. Um, Oh, yes. You have to listen to the community and adjust. This is why you make an excellent politician, Commissioner Golub. Excellent. Um, so rational. Just you got to love it. Which, now, that same approach has to be done on short term rentals. Yes. Listen, yes. That hearing is going to be spirited next yes. week. And any subsequent ones. Uh, totally appropriately so. Uh, but I, at the same time, I don't want them to go so far the other way that they're very weak. There does need to be. Um, the appropriate level. Shame on the state of New York for not handling this statewide. Short -term well, they are. So, so they but they should have. This should have been happened. This should have happened three, four years okay. ago. Although, I mean, my God, I, I hearing myself say that I want the state to regulate something else is actually feels very counterintuitive. I'm like, mm. true, but, but uniformity, uniformity yes. would be a good thing here. Yes. Not letting uh, uh, cities and municipalities just go out on their own and you know trial and error. Although, so so then there's there's something to be, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a minute. Commissioner Moran brought this up and he did say like, you know, if you had a, if you had a choice over having the state regulate how Saratoga Springs does their short-term rentals, or you could have local control, 
I mean, I would prefer to have local control because we do have such a unique situation in Saratoga Springs with our history of rentals with the track um, that I think that we are very, very different than than many other places in New York in, in New York State. You know, so if I if I was picking, I would prefer to have local control. I would just prefer to have that local control be different than what's being proposed, I guess. OK, well, at least some guidance or something from the state. Uh, have them be the floor, perhaps. And if you want to do additional things, here's what's allowed or so forth. How about we have um, unrestricted Airbnbs, as long as you bag your leaves, you're around. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> done. Done and done and done. Um, listen, I know you had to, you had an out at one o'clock, Dan, and I, I know it wasn't a hard out, but you know, we, we should, we can wind down to, boy, this is a robust uh, schedule for an off meeting week, right? I know, I know, I know. A robust so, agenda, I should say. Yeah. Um, two quick comments. I had like an hour and a half without kids this past Saturday. And so I did go down to Chowder Fest and I got to tell you that the weather and everything, it has never been more crowded ever that I can recall every single bar and restaurant. I mean, the, the, the bars were 10 people deep. It was bananas and Gaffney's. I've never felt older in my entire life. I was like, I'm the mother here and I'm only looking at like children. I mean, it was like, it was a very young crowd. It was you know, tons of people who are clearly not from here having a great time. But I have to give everybody credit because the police department did an awesome job. God, Officer Barrett was on the horse. He was on the mounted patrol. And I'm like, is there anything this man cannot do? I, he is the Esser owner high school. He I believe is, he served chowder that day as well. I mean, he is just like unbelievable. But I actually thought considering the amount of drinking and considering the size of the crowd, people really kept it together. And it was impressive. I, I got worried seeing the crowd, knowing that as it got later in the day and the alcohol kept flowing, uh, bad things could happen. It could, could just be a car accident, right? A bad car accident. Yeah. But you know, unfortunately, you know, because I had my kids down there and I knew enough to go early. And oh, I knew yeah. Enough okay. to, uh, I'm get, like, so you know, you're the guy with the kids. I'm <laughs> no, they had face painting at the city center, too. So they, there was oh, a kid-friendly element to it. Um, oh, and, and and my daughters were not into seafood chowder of any sort. Right. And I know there's some non-seafood chowders, but probably 80% per of them were seafood. So I took them to places like Saratoga Candy, Magic Moon. Oh, uh, you know, I made, a kid, I made it kid-friendly, and I got them out of there before as it got as really as insane. As opposed to the people I saw with strollers on Caroline Street at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, where I was like, what in God's green earth are you doing? This is not the moment to bring your kids to Caroline Street. Um, I will say also, exactly. I think that downpour at three o'clock really helped like nature, you know, mm -hmm. called did a solid because the event was ending at four o'clock and at like three fifteen, the skies opened and it downpoured. And yeah. I was like, this is actually perfect timing because people got to wrap it up. So yeah, a friend of mine was sitting at Chianti and he just saw droves of people coming off Broadway back to their cars. No, I was watching. So I was inside Gaffney's standing, watching the patio, which was packed and you know, I mean, I don't think anybody knew there was going to be this huge downpour. And all of a sudden it was just like, you know, but it, um, it was not supposed to come till four and it came before three. Yeah. yeah. And, but you know, the people I was looking at, I don't think they gave two shits. They were, they were very, very happy and they weren't feeling any pain because of the rain. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give, you know, shout out to people for keeping their drunkenness in check on Saturday, having a good time. And I'm so happy it went off without a hitch. Uh, you well, well, well stated. Yes. And what, what a great event, right? What, how, yeah. how, how wonderful 
uh, credit to Discover Saratoga, and and I'm gonna you know miss 15 entities that should be acknowledged here, but credit to all the connections of this, including the restaurants and the staff, right? Yeah, I kind of wish, like I know this sounds really selfish, but I kind of wish we could have like two chowder fests, like one like the one we had, and then one that's just like locals only, so we could <laughs> go and actually be able to like taste all the chowders and sit down and eat yeah. and. You know what I mean? Like Good that would point. be kind of a pre-chowder fest. How's that? Yeah. Locals yeah. only. You used to be able to, you know, I started going to chowder fest in like two, when I moved here in like 2008, 2009, and you used to be able to do that. Like the lines weren't that long. You right. could get through them. You could taste a bunch of chowders. You could go in and there was a table to sit down and it wasn't as insane as it is now. And I do kind of miss that. Um, so yeah, that's my proposal. Discover Saratoga, Chamber, Commissioner Moran, if you're listening, let's do a secret first chowder fest locals only i like that my proposal yeah. would be to have all the outlying restaurants and i know there's a reason not to do this there's some good reasons to get people to the outlying restaurants on saratoga lake and malta and, and so forth but i'd almost like to have it all concentrated downtown and some restaurants do choose to to set up a location downtown uh, as mm -hmm. opposed to being at their outlying location and again i recognize there's two 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 reasons there's reasons why they but i'd like to see every because i'll tell you why there's um, some are, are, are serving 4,000 bowls and some are serving 500 bowls, yet the lines are intimidatingly long. And I know they move quickly, but uh, they were long. Holy cow. But I mean, like I, you know, I was walking home and I walked by Clancy's and Griffin Clancy was outside and he was, you know, putting everything away. And I think he told me they served 1,900 things of chowder from Clancy's, you know, which, which, you know, doesn't usually serve food. And so I was like, damn, I mean, that is, it's a lot of chowder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And that's only half of what Druthers served, which was over 4,000. Yeah. Um, and, and, and my point in bringing everybody downtown is it, it maybe it wouldn't work as I see it, but there'd be that many more options to choose from in that concentrated area. Therefore the lines would be less, I would think, uh, 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 not as long. But I do think it just, you know, it provides so many of these restaurants who are really kind of like dead in January, February, an opportunity to to make a little money and get people in and have like a big money day. And so I, you know, in my opinion, I'm like, whoever wants to do it, serve your chowder, you're in, um, because let's give everybody, you know, a good a good day in the black in, uh, in February when it's usually, you know, cold, gray, miserable, and people yeah. are not going out to uh, bars and restaurants on Saturday. So... Yeah. Yeah, hurry for Chowder Fest. Um, anyway, anything else? What do you got, Dan? Anything else before we go? Um, yeah, just, yeah, I, I, I didn't plan a cheer or jeer, but I do have something in place of that real quick. And again, another first world problem if there ever was yeah. one. Uh, so I'm going to complain a little bit, whiny complain. <laughs> but holy cow, I because I, I own that much of a racehorse, I had uh, one day advanced access to, to credit to Naira for allowing the owners and so forth to get uh, reserve seating at the Belmont ahead of time, a day ahead of time. And I, I got two reserve seats in the grandstand section Q, I think. And take a guess how much each, each seat was for the grandstand seating during the Belmont. I don't even uh, want to get for, for both of them. I had to pay $420, which included $50 in fees. I'm more bothered about $50 in fees than I am because 185 a seat you know, I'd pay that for an NFL game and not think what twice. What is it, Ticketmaster? Did you have to go through Ticketmaster? Because oh, that yeah. sounds like a Ticketmaster fee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they hit me with two fees for just under $50. And uh, that, that bothered me more than anything. But it was a bit of a shock. Again, this is a major event, a historical event. So I'm not complaining, so to speak. I'm just no, you sharing complain. with friends 
uh, the 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 uh, shell shock I had it. Holy cow! You oh, that's can, a lot of money. Man, you can totally complain because here's the thing: one, the beauty of the Saratoga Springs race course is that people of any socioeconomic level can go and enjoy it, right? Like that's one of the, the the real appeal to the to the race here. You know, you can go, you can bring your own beer, you can sit at a picnic table, you only pay a couple dollars admission. And so it's really open to everybody, which is something that I've always loved about it. Not so for the Belmont. Not so for the Belmont. It is wicked expensive. And we are not talking about an organization that is suffering for money. They are, I'm going to curse people. They're greedy fucks. Sorry, they are. Uh, I'm gonna dial back from there, Rob. I'm not there with you. I I just wanted to <laughs> express a holy cow moment. I um, probably I'm I'm compromised because I've got some relationship with Naira, so I, I'm not gonna go as far yeah, as you. I, I, I wish Sorry, it was Naira. more affordable. I'll say that. Right, but I mean, I'm gonna Naira, waffle here on you. It, it, it's a game. We're talking about essentially a casino. It's a gambling enterprise. They make mm. a ton of money from just wagering, and so. I don't know why they need freaking $50 in fees like you're talking about. That just seems absurd, um, as do the ticket prices um, and not being able to bring in your own alcohol, having to buy. Because didn't you have to buy it for all four days or like, can you? I thought you. There's some packages available. I was able to buy my reserves each just for Belmont Day. The general public can go tomorrow for general admission seats, I believe. Uh, I, I don't know if they have reserve seating options tomorrow. But yeah, there were packages that were just uh, you know unseemly amount of money, and but I know people that paid it, um, so they're getting it. Though, so the market is dictating the price. Well, I mean, Naira dictated the price, but the market is following suit, and yeah. and largely, I bet you it'll be sold out in, in no time. Everything will be sold out. In fact, yeah. I, I had trouble on Ticketmaster today getting seats. I had to click a, about six times. I'm not even sure if I wanted to spend the money, but once it flashed and said. These seats are no longer available. I, I turned into a crazed 14-year-old trying to get into a hospital. Right. Like, like, oh, I have these seats yeah, that yeah. I can't have. You know, so that's why we were late for the podcast today. What, what's that? I said, so that's why we were late for the podcast today. Yes. And I'm obviously, I'm assuming, by the way, that other ticket is for me, right? <laughs> uh, should uh, you 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 can discuss that with my wife? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I can sell these though. I could boy, if I could, and I won't oh, sell them, but I could probably make level. a nifty profit. Yeah, totally. You probably could. I bet you that's. I bet you that's uh, was driving some of the ticket sales. Sure. People who there'll, there'll, some, there'll, there'll be some. There'll uh, be uh, some uh, scalpers, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will be watching from my TV or like, I don't know where I'll be. I, and I'll be perfectly happy. Perfectly happy. Can you hear the crowd from your house? No, 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 not at all. No, like, not at all. Not at all. I bet you when Rachel Alexandra in 2009 hit, hit, hit that turn at the top of the stretch, that crowd was so loud. I bet you easily could have heard that at your house. You know what was the, so I don't know a lot about horse racing, so forgive my ignorance, but it was when the triple crown winner was then running in Saratoga Springs. Uh, um, I want to say American Pharaoh. Yeah, American Pharaoh. So yeah. I was there for that. And holy cow, when the race began to end and people realized that American Pharaoh wasn't going to win, the excitement in the air turned and I was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. I mean, people were not happy, not happy at all. And I was like, ah, run. Um, yeah, but it's going to be wild. I mean, I think it's great in general that the Belmont's going to be here. And it sounds like it's going to be here next year, too. Yeah, and I just had a conversation with someone earlier today. I'm going to predict Naira in 
a few years later, because all that cash available, all that uh, all that money potentially there, and somewhere around 2028, 2029, they're going to say, oh, geez, we got a problem down here at Belmont, so we're going to move it again to Saratoga for a year because, you know, they'll probably make five times as much money. So, Which yes, is why so next year, not official, but everybody in the industry says it's happening next year here, right. 2025 as well. And I, I predict uh, Naira will find reasons to bring it back here, um, you know, I, periodically anyway. Right. And like you said, they will have so much money. Maybe they won't need to charge fees and exorbitant ticket prices at some point. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. It, it, it was, I won't say unseemly, but uh, shocking uh, uh, the amount of money to, you know, I, I couldn't afford a box. I couldn't afford a table. It's just wait. This is before you lay a single bed. This is before, you know, you, you have a, a beer. Uh, although some of them are package deals, but still, it's just, you know, thousands of dollars. <laughs> I'm going to stick to my original statement, which I, I won't repeat, but I'm going to stick to my original comments okay. <laughs> about those prices. Um, I just wanted to add a quick cheer slash cheer um, and just acknowledge that it's Valentine's Day today. And I think Valentine's Day is a really hard day for a ton of people, whether they're in a relationship or not. Um, I think that people who feel a little lonely, it really exacerbates that. And... I just think it's a really tough day for people. So I just want to encourage people to, if you know somebody in your life who, you know, whether they have a relationship or not, you know, if you sense that they're feeling lonely alone down today, reach out to them and just, you know, tell them that they're appreciated or loved. Um, and conversely, if you're feeling lonely and sad and isolated because it feels like everybody else is love and you don't, um, just know that that is, you know, a sentiment shared by so many people. And my suggestion is do the same thing. Think about somebody who, you know, you know, or is involved in your life who, you know, you could reach out to and say something nice to because making them happy will make you feel happy and will lift your spirits too. So just wanted to kind of like share that about Valentine's Day. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Robin. That was really nice. Of course, of course. So much love to you, my friend. Much love to you. Much love to Saratoga Springs. Um, and we will be back. I think February maybe, 28th. February 28th is our target return. Yeah, because in in some next week, well, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I will be around next week. If I can do something, some kind of city council recap, I will. But the three mm -hmm. of us will be back on the 28th, which is also um the leap of kindness day, which is so awesome, which we can talk about later, but it's like such uh, a great, great the day. The 29th is the leap of kindness, Oh, correct? the 29th is my bad. Oh yeah, because that's, yeah. Okay, that okay. makes sense. Okay. All right. All right. We'll be leading into it. Maybe yes. if we get on to one, we will lead into leap, leap of kindness day. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend, thank you so much. And I will see you soon and enjoy your vacation next week. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for watching, folks. And thanks for the comments. Yeah, bye-bye.